0: Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the Webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship aggression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of Tiger Pops. And today I am joined by two lovely women who have been on before, Julia and Anne Rose. And I'll let them say hi.
1: Hello, I'm Julia. You've heard me a couple times before. I'm from the Kansas City, Missouri area, 27. My boyfriend and I live in our apartment with our two fur babies. I found Midnight Poppy Land when quarantine started, and it's become a very integral part of my life and I've really learned a lot from it and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the story progresses.
2: And yes I totally agree with what Julia said. My name is Ann Rose and I discovered um, Midnight Poppyland during quarantine right around the time um, my California decided to go you know distance learning and so I'm officially back in the classroom sans students and it's been kind of challenging, but I like how you know I have Midnight Poppyland to keep me going during this. difficult.
0: yeah, <clears throat> yeah, same here. I also discovered it during quarantine, and a hundred percent, it is like enhancing my life and being like a mental health lifeline.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: it's definitely the highlight of my week.
0: Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> My friends think I'm crazy, but that is literally so. I, I talk about this all the time. I, I only read it Saturday night because I um, keep Sabbath the entire Sabbath. I'm like every every so often, I'm like next to my husband, and I just like jump up and clap my hands, and he's like midnight poppyland. Yes, I know midnight poppyland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited! Like, like, I like I wait in anticipation all all Sabbath. Anywho, so we are doing we're actually doing together episode 19 and 20 back to back. And they are very heavy-hitting episodes, and I'm very excited to get into them. So episode 19 starts out with a recap of what happened at the end. This is um, Alice's flashback of um, Tora when he was younger at her restaurant. This is Tora walked out. She says, there you go, giving your heart away again. And she has this flashback. She's remembering how Tora came in. We discussed it in the last episode. He came in, he started flipping her tables. It looks like his, his, uh, something happened to his jaw. And he's just having this flip out reaction because he can't process his emotions and he's very upset over something. And we um, don't know what, right? She says, um, You know, she says, It's good for you. This is nothing I've seen before. My son was far worse than you when he was your age. And that's when we ended off last episode.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where this episode picks up. As we see Tora leaning on the floor and he's coughing. And we see her talking about all the things that she's seen before. And you can kind of hear the or see the sounds of what he's doing in the background. Pretty sure he threw up. If that's what the blurb
2: means. Yeah, <laughs> um, poor guy.
1: Yeah. And she mentions how her son was far worse than Tora was at that age. And this kind of hit me really hard. Just because she doesn't freak out. She doesn't try to stop him. He's bloody. He's throwing up. He's being violent. And she's just letting him get that out. Because, as she said, she's seen this before. She kind of understands he needs to get it out in some way. And that's the only outlet he has right now is just to expel that through a violent act and I also kind of picked up on the fact that she asked him if it was his boss and instead of answering that's when he got violent and that was kind of a silent answer because the reminder of who it was and what happened he couldn't lash out against Vincent but now that he's in this safe place he can And he feels safe in doing that. But she also doesn't just let him get away with it. Because she tells him she's going to dock his wages if he keeps breaking things. So she's letting him expel that rage in this non-constructive way. But she's also instilling some responsibility in him and saying, You're going to replace these things you broke. I'm not going to tell you you can't behave like this, but you're going to take responsibility for what you're doing. And I thought that was really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think this is you really hit it spot on the head. Like this is the safe place for him where he could react. And I think I said this in the in the last episode when we discussed it, but. Um, I once heard that, you know, kids misbehave the most around their parents because that's where they feel safest. And, you know, you would expect to be like, here I, here I am doing all this stuff for you. And like, you act like a terror around me, but that's because in every other situation, they have to behave better. They have to perform, they have to fit in and they feel the safest with you. So the fact that he feels like he can do that with Alice says a lot about their relationship and what kind of trust she gives forth, you know, how she makes him feel. Yeah, that's, true.
2: that's a good point. I mean, just for some I mean I don't that kind of the way he emoted and everything and just his condition all bloody beat up or he might have beaten someone up and just allowing someone to see you in such a raw state and yeah I I completely agree it's just I'm just wondering what happened to him but I don't know I'm sure it will be revealed later on but So there's always this mystery behind his background and everything. And I I like the I like the arrival of uh, Alice's son. You know, it was very powerful.
0: And there's also the fact that
1: Torah being a teenager in that state, he still Mm. came to work. Mm.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. You're right. Wow. He's responsible even back then. Or maybe he even maybe he really wanted to come to work because he needed to, you know, have that that warm love around him. And he knew that that's where he would get it. That's true. Interesting. So, you know, she's Alice before before her son shows up, she says something. Well, I, I kept is she saying this. She's saying this, I think. Yeah. Within the flashback that this is something that's like really sad and that gives us insight into like the, the situation. She says, I've lived on these streets long enough to know for a fact that once you've been sworn into the Baltimore family, quote unquote, the only way out is death. And this is telling for a few reasons, which we'll we'll get to as we finish these two episodes. But one of them is that, you know, we feel for Torah because we know that Torah feels trapped. And, you know, everyone, people who don't know about that life, before we know this information, we might say like, OK, Torah, just say goodbye, Vincent. I'm done. Bye. And I'm going to go be with Poppy now. But you can't once you've been sworn in, the only way out is death. So it, it gives us an appreciation of the extent to which Torah feels trapped and unable to leave his life.
1: Yes. It's true. And also the the fact that he was uh he was brought into this at such a young age and the fact that like we we know he never really had a choice just makes it that much sadder because yeah. He never really had the option of not being part of this, and now his only option is: you do it or you die.
0: Yeah, it's awful. So now her son shows up. He's huge. He looks like he's a police officer or a sheriff or whatever. You know, however Naren City <laughs> organizes their police uh, duties. And he says, "Hey, ma." And he looks, you know, he hears smash, crash, and he says, what the hell's going on in there? And she tells him that something happened to Tora, but she doesn't talk about his planned business, so she doesn't know. And then she tells him, she's like, why don't you go have a man and man talk with him? Of all people, you'll know how he's feeling. So that gives us an indication that he was in a gang as well.
1: Right. And, mm-hmm. even, and even, like, when she mentioned that she, her son, that Joe was worse than Torah at this age, there's also an indication that... He had some involvement in this because, I mean, how else would he know what Torah is going through?
2: You know, right. after looking back on this panel where he just says, "Hey, Mom," I didn't. I might. I never crossed my mind that maybe Alice might have called him over to have that conversation with Torah. I thought it was just happened to show up, but you know, I guess it kind of reveals Alice's leaks the extent of alice's concern for Toran and that he might need someone to talk to in a way that he could understand and relate in the best way possible and whatnot i don't know i i feel like i was so behind when i was just looking back on this episode now if that makes sense
0: no that's great i didn't think about that but that may, that makes sense it's possible unless well, she did that
1: yeah especially cuz it would be it would that would be really good timing if he just yeah. happened to come by <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> oh it is a story you know it's a story where all the dots are connected there's time good timing is key <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway his reaction is uh even though he you know has been through a lot he isn't so comfortable you know, with exposing and, and his emotions and talking, you know, in a connected and deep way. Because he starts sweating. He's like, I don't know. All that little shit does is curse and swear at me. He hates my guts. Probably thinks I'm going to turn him in or something just because I'm a cop. Which is perceptive of him. You know, he recognizes that because he's a cop, he, Tora may not trust him.
1: It also kind of makes me think of how Tora is perceived how the way that he looks and his kind of intimidating demeanor makes people think he's gonna hurt me or he's dangerous same thing here where Joe's like he thinks I'm gonna arrest him just because I'm a cop Mm. and he Mm. hates my guts like
2: kind of the flip side of that almost
0: that's so that's so smart Makes oh, so much sense
2: and maybe the the their relationship or perhaps if they ended up becoming close i don't know it it just reveals itself to how they were able to come to an understanding of some mm.
0: sort
2: right i never thought about that it's so hard to talk and not talk about the following episode
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's okay man they're, they're all out so i think the the next episode i think is okay to talk to kind of refer to a little bit yeah, I totally get that. And and then Joe says, "I would have done that long ago if I really wanted to." You know, so there's a reason that he's not turning him in. Mm-hmm. And and you know, it's explained now, right? Joe se- Joe says, or Alice, I think Alice is continuing her flashback, saying, "They keep you around, make you believe that they're your real family." And and then it looks like um, Joe was saying, you know, verbally to Alice at that moment. He says, "When I saw that ball even crest on his neck, I knew it meant he'd been sworn into the clan at a very young age. So it's not—it's not even his choice. He's parting the clan. Not, not that being in a clan is an arrestable offense on its own. And you see this picture of Torah with um, now his hair is dyed, but it's a different color this time. It's red with some black in the middle. And he has so he's a little younger now than now with his blonde one. He's in the blonde hair. He looks like maybe 16 here. He was like 15 or 14. And he has the crest on his neck already." And he already has this, like this expression that he has, it's a classic Torah expression. And it's, well, Torah by now is more impassive, but here he's just like, it's like filled with rage and resentment and hopelessness and defeat and anger. It's like so many negative emotions just mixed up. His eyes are furrowed and narrowed. He's looking at the side of his eye, very distressful. His mouth is always down. I notice his like he's, he always has a grimace on his face. And I know like the past, um, past two years there was like a time when I went through like a really really hard time and I was just I noticed that my mouth was always turned down during those like those months I was just very depressed and very like very hopeless about the future and I was like when I saw a Torah with his mouth down I was like oh that's how I felt you know there's completely hopeless like no reason to smile and you know it was some, for me it was something that was like completely foreign because i had always been very happy and like looking at Torah that way it's just like wow you know his here's a boy who like has no reason to be hopeful about his life
2: Oh. That immediate change, uh-huh. maybe the loss of innocence, not loss of innocence, but maybe loss of innocence. Her, I
0: man, mean, I he, looked like he lost him. his innocence at, since he was like five, at least, you know, yeah. so that whatever that cage thing was. Yeah. yeah,
2: he never really
1: had a chance to really have that innocence. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And we don't know what happened before he got into Vincent's hands, but the fact that he was able to get into Vincent's hands, you know, everybody speculates what happened, where his parents. Part of an opposing clan? Was he taken as punishment? Was he kidnapped? Was he were his parents like, you know, I don't know, for some, you know, killed? Were they incapacitated? Were they homeless? Were they druggies? Were like, well, what happened that Torah got into his hands? We don't know still. Yeah. But it probably wasn't very pleasant, you know, even for baby Torah. Before he got to Vincent.
2: Yeah. How does Vincent even get a hold of these? My gosh, it's like he collects children. I don't know, understand. This, That's how, a very disturbing thought. You know, I I don't know. It's just the way he the uh, oh, sorry, I shouldn't. have said Yeah, that. You know, there's, there's a <laughs>
0: reference to a little, bit, a little bit later, but but we even even with that reference, we still don't know what happened. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot that Lily's keeping us in the dark, and it's really tantalizing. Like what you know, every every step of the way, there's information that is revealed that at the same time raises even more questions, which is just really good storytelling and just very gripping
1: yeah
0: so then Alice kind of smiles and this is very much like an old lady smile you know she seems a little more the fact that she is even smiling at such a serious moment to me shows that she's very much the wise old lady where they have this perspective that everything will be okay like I, I have a, my grandmother was very much like one of those wise old people and you know whenever I talk to her about like things I'm experiencing that are, that are negative and that are hard. She's always like, eh, it'll be okay. And it might sound a little bit, you know, like dismissive, but it's really not because she has been through all of this. She's been through everything that, you know, every stage of life that other us young people have been through. And she knows that we get over it. We know that she knows that it becomes better. And I think Alice has that perspective. She's like, here, here's teenage Torah and he'll get, he'll grow You know, he'll grow up. He'll get over it. It'll be better. She has optimism. She has faith that he'll, he'll surpass it. And she says that, you know, she says, um, you know, you think he hates you. And she said, like, kids like Tora don't know any better. And she's like, don't worry, Joe. He might not respond, right? Joe's is like, even if he doesn't, he doesn't listen to a word I say. But she says, don't worry about that, Joe. He might not respond, but he's listening all right. And then she says something, which we all agree with, because I think we've all seen this. The boy has a fairy temper, but his soul is pure. I can feel it in these old bones. <sighs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen plenty of examples that Tora is a listener, but it's pretty profound to see that he's even so young, he's learning about people from observation, and that's probably a skill he had to learn early on, especially with Vincent learning when he could kind of push back, when he had to keep his mouth shut, like all of that comes from listening and observing the people around you. And Alice, being the wise old lady, is able to pick up on that. I almost, I kind of read the the point where she says, oh, so you you think he hates you? As kind of a, I know something you don't know
2: kind of moment.
0: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's a good point, Julia. The way you describe how he had to become so observant, perhaps like he was even being groomed. Into that position of you're just going to be watchful, you're going to do as I say, but it was nice that somebody could as you were men- as you had mentioned Mindy, that he um, you know Alice is very perceptive, and she recognized uh, torah's goodness, and that it was it's always there, and even when Poppy was kind of fretting over the fact that she, she insulted him after the sushi dinner in the previous episode. She was she she always has faith in Torah, you know, so that was, yeah, I didn't even think about that.
0: And I think that's why he comes back there, because he can he can feel it. He feels her faith in him. Somebody who believes in him, somebody who, you know, is both warm to him, but at the same time holds him to account. Mm. Someone who sees passed, you know, this is Tora's main issue, right? Everyone sees him as a dog, as a brutal, you know, monster, as a tool. And she sees him as a person, a good person. Yes.
1: Right. And then, of course, she runs off. I'm going to go play poker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And she mentions Fred and Fran. So we know that even back then, you know, she was going to gamble at Fred and Fran. <laughs> and she says, here, sucker. So she keeps things light, you know she has this sense of humor, she keeps things, and you know sometimes I think that's what people need as well. I think sometimes people need like a, a levity, and you know there's a lot of tragedy in people's lives, and maybe they need some you know need some getting their getting ahead out of it, like some sarcasm some some deflection like it helps people to just right. get out of their their serious mode.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And Joe was Joe was really funny. He's like, real helpful of you, Mobile, leaving me to do the dirty work. Better pray I don't lose my cool and beat that little shit up. <laughs> you know, because you can tell that he probably also has, has had anger issues as well, which is why he can relate to Torah.
2: Yeah. You, you know that I know I'm going ahead in the panels, but when he goes inside and he kind of preps himself mentally to I was shocked. I was just like, This guy's, you know, it's um Julie had mentioned he's a big dude and when he rolls up his sleeves I was just like oh dang that's that's what it was all about and like they have this under- shared understanding and he would I mean Lily goes Lily even goes so far as to draw sweat droplets on the back of his head so I'm <laughs> like I'm like was Torah a beast even when he was a teen I'm like wow. Oh, yeah he do- seems can- terrified of <laughs> yeah I can do some damage <laughs>
0: Yeah, So, and a little bit before we get there, you see, as he walks in, you see this sign on Alice's restaurant that really gives you an insight into who she is. It says, the mm-hmm. two signs, you deserve a second chance, believe in yourself. And another one, don't care if you're an ex-convent or delinquent, inquire now for job openings. But if you misbehave, my son is going to kick your ass. <laughs> yes.
2: You know, it says a lot about, I guess she really just She's one of those second chance people. You know, everyone messes up. Maybe Tor didn't really mean to mess up in his life, but he's found himself in this predicament. And now he was, I don't know. I i want to know how they found each other. You know, how he ended up applying there. But it's just, that'd be cool. And how she it's ended true. up, because it seems like Alice is so much. I mean, given she's older and whatnot, but, you know, she's, I feel like she's seen it all she's such a sage
0: yeah and you know it's interesting is also um the fact that when you say right first of all he walks in he's like there's no one around you know around after he must be in back and he rolls up his sleeves and you see he has these tattoos on his sleeve which is another indication that sorry that he was part of a gang and i do wonder you know it's like how did alice's son end up in a gang? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of things. There's, there's the fact that, you know, you can't control your kids, right. At, at some point, you know, your kids are really independent beings and it could be that Alice gave him a, a you know, a good upbringing and he still managed to find his way in a gang. But there's also the second element that, um you know, I see as a, as a person like living in the world, there are people who when they start out their parenting life, they're not necessarily good parents and they could be, you know, they could, they're, they're raising their kids in a way that is not safe or inefficient or like just bad for the kids. And the kids end up in trouble because of that. But then they, when they get older, they kind of reform. And I've seen that a lot, like both in my family, my husband's family, my, uh, my mother's father was like a pretty abusive person when, when the kids were younger. And as he became older, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he necessarily like became a saint, but he definitely changed and he's you know close closer with most of his kids again and like they have a relationship when when they were younger they all hated his guts and they you know couldn't talk to him at all so and like I know my um yeah I, I've seen people who were not good parents but then when they got older they kind of became better so I think it's possible that even Alice like who's a wise old sage maybe she wasn't the greatest parent when he was younger and that's how Joe ended up in a game and to me that's very wise and mature of lily if she is putting in, that in into the into the story because you know maybe the person who deserves a second chance is alice right now maybe now she's a better mother than she was when he was younger
1: that's true time. i also i'm kind of on the fence as far as whether or not joe actually became part of a gang oh i know he's obviously been involved in violence but it, it doesn't actually specify if he was part of a gang. I, I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe he got he started like hanging out with other gang kids. And that's why he was able to get out of it. Because like we, we've seen with her saying like the only way out of the Bao human organization is death. If he'd actually joined a gang, I don't see him being able to become a cop.
2: Yeah, that's a good So well, I'm, I'm thinking also- maybe,
1: yeah, he just he kind of hung out with the wrong kids. Like, that that whole phraseology of uh, these are the bad kids and mm-hmm. you're gonna get in trouble if you hang out with them. So he probably got involved with gang kids and that was how he was able to get out of it. Is He never actually, like with Torah, he was sworn in and I see that as like he went through initiation like a test of loyalty and was confirmed as a member of the organization whereas i don't think joe got that far
0: okay, so I'll, I'll tell you my theory on this when we, a little bit later in the episode just ahead and yeah i'll let you i'll tell you what what i think and <laughs> etc it's going to tie they, in a bunch of stuff
2: you have so much restraint self restraint i don't know how <laughs> you can do this you are so good at moderating i'm just blurbing
0: everything
2: out without even thinking. I'm like, oh man. But good. Thank
0: you. So. Thanks. And that's a good point, so, Julie. Yeah. I totally see that. And I have an opposing theory, but I think they're equally plausible. Yeah, which we have no
1: clue. clue for sure.
0: Right. With <laughs> it's it's so much fun. I mean fun, heart-wrenching, whatever same thing. Anyway. <laughs> so Anyway, uh, you know, Joe says something really, what he's thinking in a said something really, really um, profound and, and meaningful. He says, they don't know better because they never experience better. Mm-hmm. So they spend their lives in fear, confusion, and false promises of hope.
1: Actually, oh. I think that's part of what Alice was
2: saying.
0: Alice? Oh, okay. Yeah, I I'm think sorry. All of <laughs> the, oh. the part
1: that's in the outside of the panels, I think that's all Alice. Makes sense. That's how yeah, I read yeah. it. And actually, I put it together and before we get to the part where Poppy and Taurus are talking, I want to read it all in like all together real quick. Because okay. when you read it together, it's it's almost way more haunting than when you read it in the pieces.
0: OK, you know, so we'll leave the we'll leave the, the that that for you to do then. Well, well, we'll kind of skip it for now because it is hard to to discuss it all at once. Yeah, as a reader, I mean, like it's probably a little easier. But yeah, OK, we'll do that. So anyway, so Joe, you know, rolls up his sleeves, puffs and stuff. And he's like, man, the f up, Joseph, Poker Baby, Alice. He's just a little shrimp that's half your size. So Alice is like his last name, I guess, which is interesting. And um, Poker Baby. So he has a nickname of Poker Baby. And maybe he's the one who taught um, Torah poker. Like we see him play poker later. And we know that Goliath played poker. So it's possible that Joe was also an influence on Goliath. We don't know
1: or, or maybe, maybe he just indirectly plays.
0: yeah exactly and you know he's like psyching himself up and he's like he's just a little shrimp that's half your size and you know <laughs> he thinks this must be while you're still single even, even with this handsome face of yours <laughs> very cute so by the way I, i'm wondering is he being sarcastic like does is he is, is joe supposed to actually be handsome because i don't see him as handsome i mean he's he's big <laughs> but like I think that I wonder if it's like his own self-perception because his mother is like, oh, Joe, you're so handsome. You're so handsome. Like my mother says, my mother thinks all of us are like God's gift to mankind and like that we're all gorgeous. And meanwhile, like, you know, we're probably just average. And like, and that you know, maybe Joe, <laughs> Joe is like, well, my, you know, my mother told me my whole life I'm handsome. So obviously I'm handsome. I'm like, it really isn't. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, I I can see that because I mean you typically whenever your your mom or your dad says oh you're good at this or, oh you're you're this and you're all like you you have to say that you're my parent it's, it's your <laughs> so probably yeah
2: he's like yeah I'm handsome his mom said so
0: <laughs> I
2: strangely thought that he was you're right he was I think he was talking to Torah Uh. (laughs) ah dude man i need to pay more attention to the bubbles (laughs) and i I mean the way lily drew him it's like he was missing teeth so i was like this guy got his teeth knocked out or something but i mean whatever he's cool i i i am very fond of joe if not i think he's one of my favorite characters just from what i feel he represents you know
0: yeah right yeah we're gonna get into that a little bit later because we'll see something significant Anyway, so he walks out and right away he starts out with this very aggressive tone, which first you might think is a little surprising, but I do think that it's kind of like speaking Torah's language. And it's also probably honestly the language that Joe knows how to speak as well. Joe doesn't know how to be gentle. He's caring, but in a very rough way, which is honestly what Torah is as well. right? So he's like, all right, listen up you little shit. Take this money and go get that jaw looked at immediately or else. And he grabs Torah by the shirt. And Torah, you know, he's Bloody, beaten up, and he's like, he's looking completely impassive. He's like, "Oral what you know, and you see he can't talk properly because something's wrong with his his jaw, his mouth. And again, he's giving attitude, right? And then Joe, <laughs> Joe yells at him. He has his like huge muscular arm just like grabbing the back of his shirt. He's like, "Or else I'll knock out all the orange out of your head and break the other jaw to even it out for you, your rude little snot." <laughs> and Torah's like, yeah, F you too. So you see, they're both sitting on this panel, right? On one hand, it's like this posture of closeness, right? They're sitting together on this deck. On the other hand, you know, Joe's being very aggressive to him. But I think and this just shows. Like, uh, <laughs> yep. So I think this shows that, you know, you could be close even in this very top aggressive way. So even if Torah doesn't see it then and Joe doesn't feel like he's making an influence on him. He really is making an influence on him and he really is providing that caring for him that torah needs even if torah is like buffing it away and like just rejecting it because he doesn't know how to handle compassion you know he's never he doesn't really have that in his life and something somebody noticed um you know torah already you see a little bit of his his sleeve tattoos here Mm -hmm. right by the time we know him it's like three quarters the way down his his arm here it's like up his arm But he's you know, he started getting it already back then.
1: And I know here it's you have to be eighteen to get them. I don't know if he got them through like an actual like parlor or whatever, if there's (laughs) any sort of rule to that, but that I kind of gave as an indicator he was around like seventeen or eighteen, maybe, depending on where he got it.
0: Yeah, I think he looks a little younger though. I don't think he's that age yet. So my person.
2: In ter- I mean, I, I do understand like that he's definitely an adolescent. I feel, though, the way that Joe spoke to Torah, I think he was leveling with him because he knew, I mean, sometimes when you talk to kids, they are not going to respond. I mean, I don't have children of my own, so Mindy, you're the expert on this, but mm-hmm. just being around children for my career, I know that there are some kids you can be soft, like, you know, let's not do that right now, and there are some you have to be very direct, like, that's not okay and i i just think he had a really good sense of this is how i'm gonna level with torah so, so i can get to him he, he off and he knows he means no harm with that but i that was i it was just such a profound moment i thought even if he was pulling on mom
0: yeah it really is And, you know, Joe responds like aggressively too, but aggressively, you know, with concern. He says, don't get cheeky with me, punk. Look at you, can't even talk properly, and you're drooling all over the porch. And now we zoom in. And I think, you know, Julia, you know, I know you wanted to do it all at once, but I do think that the lines here are put in the right, this place that, you know, to highlight it. It says, or if he'll ever learn that it's okay to give his heart away to the right people. And then we zoom in on Torah, on Torah. Joe's hand clutching his shirt, and you see the bracelet and the the ring. And it says, even so, we can try to plant a little seed and let it grow at its own pace. And I think from here we see, you know, we know that Torah had his hand in his pocket before he went into Alice's restaurant, and he had the ring and the bracelet in there. And we know that he wears the ring and the bracelet. Now we see that it was Joe's ring and bracelet. And it seems this whole um, part about planting a little seed and letting it grow seems to foreshadow that Torah and Joe developed a close relationship with each other, something that was so meaningful that he now has his bracelet and ring and he wears it all the time. And this is where I, I do think that, you know, we it seems that Joe died, right? Because otherwise, why would he have his bracelet and his ring? And I do think that Joe died because he was in a clan and he couldn't... Get out! That at the end he had to meet his demise because of it was some clan related thing, and I also think that it's possible that Torah was the cause because we know that right before he goes to the restaurant, Guyu is sitting in the the locker room and he's crying and he says, you know, I'm sorry for what you and Quincy had to do because of me to save him. And Torah, you know, is like, it's okay, it's in the past. And he's crying too, and he says, you know, how can I forget about something when I relive it every day in my head? I think that Torah may have had to somehow cause Joe's death. And that's something that he thinks about every day and just can't get away from this, like this giant weight on his heart. And, you know, and he wears his, whatever the case is, whether that is the case, I do. Um, he definitely wears his bracelet and his ring. And he took it off before going to Alice's restaurant, which makes me think maybe it's like, that. he does not want to remind her of her dead son. Maybe it's because of his guilt in what he did in his potential role in Joe's death. But yeah, I think there's I'm very curious to see what happened and if that's the case, I mean it, it'll be just super heartrending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely
1: I definitely agree with that. The uh uh w- when he takes the ring and bracelet off, I thought was really significant, just because that was when Guy brought it up.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: I mm. felt like that was because him seeing him take that off reminded him of who it belonged to and that just that's where he got that. And I think it was because him being a cop, he was doing something that the clan didn't like, but that's just my oh, view of it. That's good. That could be. Either yeah. that or maybe he was, I mean, you know, I'm sure the clan has got plenty of people on their payroll in the police department, so maybe he got involved with the clan in that way. So... Oh
0: i okay. wonder if it's he was trying to, yeah maybe he was trying to save torah and die you know or torah and Gaia and die that way too right wow mm-hmm. so many possibilities
2: i i definitely yeah sorry go ahead no no uh, no julia you okay
1: just... i i definitely agree with what you said about um him taking it off possibly not wanting to remind alice of that because I know a lot of people thought that he took it off because of Poppy, mm. but I'd noticed that yeah, if, yeah. he's been very aware of what he's wearing when and everything. So I felt like if he were worried about that, he would have taken it off long before that. But he didn't right. until he decided he was going to Alice's. So that was mm-hmm. why I think, I think it has to do with either she doesn't know he has them or he didn't mm. want it
2: to remind her of Joe.
0: Right. Well,
2: the, that was the the ring and the bracelet. I mean, this was the first time in the episode, in in all the episodes, that I actually really started getting emotional. I mean, I, I was very guilty and I sped through them because I was late to Midnight Poppyland. But after rereading it, and just seeing all the things that Lily Dusk incorporated, I and just that one panel, the faded panel with the bracelet and the ring and what it meant, and now what well, you had mentioned, Julia, that he might have taken it off because he didn't want to make Alice sad. I'm like, that's, he's so, I mean, he's, just, you know, Mindy, you were saying, Tora is so thoughtful. Gosh, it just, it's such a,
1: it's so sad. I can't. And this is also the mm-hmm. first point where she gives us that idea of what those items really mean. Because, I mean, yeah. we we've all kind of noticed them and been aware of them, but it wasn't until this point that, we really understood the significance of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. We thought they may have been just decorative. Whew. And I know Goliath wears a similar ring, so we won- I wonder if Goliath also had some kind of relationship with Joe. We know that um, he worked for a different restaurant. So, but you know, since Torah and him were close, it's possible that they hung out with the same places as well.
1: That's true.
0: So, and did you want to read um, the all the text right. now, Julie?
1: Right, yeah, okay. Please, yes, please. All right. I've lived on the streets long enough to know for a fact that once you've been sworn into the human family, the only way out is death. They keep you around, make you believe you're part of real family, and kids like Torah don't know any better. So they spend their lives in fear, confusion, and false promises of hope until the only instincts they have honed to perfection are the deadly instincts to survive and to destroy. So God knows if the boy will ever make it out of that hell he calls home, one day alive, or if he'll ever learn that it's okay to give his heart away to the right people. And even so, we can still try to plant a little seed and let it grow at its own pace.
0: Uh. Wow. So, you know, you see here, right. Alice said when he was walking out of the restaurant all angry, she said, Oh, there you go. Giving your heart away again. You know, she says that, you know, there that um, I think it's related to like who he's can trust. Right. And, and who he could give his heart away to. So, you know, he did give kind of give his heart away to Joe and to Alice and, you know, that was a good giving your heart away.
1: Right, and I think she recognizes that maybe he's doing that again with Poppy,
2: even before Mm -hmm. he does.
0: Yep, because obviously he he can't think about it. (laughs) He can't admit that.
2: Oh, yeah, but I just want to know how she was able to get to There You Go Again giving your heart away. Is it the fact that he joined the gang, wanting to be a part of this false family that, you know, because I, and the way you had described it, um, Julia, that it was, uh, Alice's narrative I had and I hadn't even realized that because by the time when Joe came in I thought those could have been his words too, or he could have easily said that so it's just you know he taught he stopped like right when she right when he had stopped and let it grow at its own pace you know to stops himself so I guess he knew maybe she's worth listening to I shouldn't just walk away from from her from this thing you know All Right.
0: I don't think he stopped. Yeah, until she called him. But I mean, not at least on that first panel. But yeah, but definitely he stopped right away. And yeah, I think that's true. He probably, you know, well, we know he still wants to. <laughs> he still wants to figure out about the notebook. So he he's he still does want to be in touch with her, which I think is another reason that he stops for her. But, Anyway, so he's yeah, he's walking out of the restaurant, and I mean, I guess I just, I, do, I do want to talk a little bit more about what Alice said. You know, where she talks about how like. The only thing that's left is the deadly instinct to survive. And that's just very telling, you know, that's, that's Torah, you know, all he had to do his whole life was to survive and destroy. Right. Like Alice says, he just had to, there wasn't affection. There wasn't love. There wasn't giving, there wasn't tenderness. And he, when you look at him, you know, you would just see aggression and anger. But I mean, we as readers see a bigger side of him and Poppy sees that as well. And so what she's about to say, but and Alice sees that too. But what uh, most of what he is, most of his what his actions are, are what he's been trained to do, and that's just very very tragic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So anyway, so now he go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead.
1: No, go ahead.
0: Yeah. So he's walking out of the restaurant now, and it's, it's just like a beautiful shot. You know, he's walking away from this place of light. There's warm light coming from the restaurant, but he's the rest of it is you know in cool colors and. He's walking, his hands are down, his face is down. It looks like he's dejected, you know, we he was upset that Poppy knew who Inspector Lane was because he thought, you know, oh, here we go again, another person who's judging me, another person who thinks I'm just a guy to call the cops on, you know, and he's, he's fiddling in his pocket, you know, with the things that like maybe are like, they can feel better, you know, the ring and the bracelet. This is something that maybe gives him hope, gives him optimism, makes him feel better about himself. Especially when he's walking away from you know the restaurant where where Joe was. And then Poppy calls after him, you know, really loudly, Torah. And it seems that he stops and she says, I don't know if this is what's going on through your mind, but I'm going to come clean about it. Please hear me out before you come to your own conclusions. And I kinda like that because he accused her earlier of being judgmental, and now she's like, You don't judge me. Let me explain myself. Hmm. And she says, Yes, I did go to the police to file a report against you. I can understand how hurtful that must feel. And I'm sorry for doing that, especially now that I've had a chance to get to know you a little better. But you took a photo of me with my chest exposed when I had no idea who you were or what intentions you had. And she is, you know, she's looking all emotional and flustered and really open and genuine. And like, she really cares. You could see in her expression that she really wants him to believe her and that she wants that message to go through. And Torah is just, you know, he stops there. He's he's still paused. He doesn't turn around, but he's clearly listening.
1: Which reminded me of what Alice said about how even if he doesn't respond, he's listening and you see that like tilt of his head toward her Mm -hmm. to to indicate he is paying attention even if he doesn't turn around. And you don't, yeah,
2: that's, that's just the beauty of that panel. Like you don't even see his reaction, but you can, could feel it off the page i could i could totally feel i mean he was i feel like he was juggling through so much emotions and trying to figure things out and i really liked um you had said she she kind of just she stood up for herself and she wasn't going to back down and i think that's just one of the qualities about poppy that he really you know when he calls her a hamster and then she she takes him by surprise knocks him out and She's, I mean, she's about to do that again, you know, she's, she's going to clear her, she's going to explain herself, not that she has to, but she wants to, you know, if that makes sense. She's trying to make him understand.
0: And I think, you know, I think I like what you pointed out, how it's not, she's not just saying, I'm sorry, and forgive me, she's saying, she's explaining herself, she's justifying her behavior. And she's both being sympathetic towards him and compassionate towards him, but also saying, listen, you have to understand that what I did was reasonable as well. You know, and you see her pause, like she, she notices that Torah is listening. She notices that tilt of his head and she says, and she comes closer to him and she says, even if it was bad timing for you, you need to know how that feels for me as a girl. And, you know, I, I also love what you said that you could see like the, the jumble of emotions in Torah because He's probably experiencing, you know, he's still angry, he's still upset, he still feels hurt, but then he's also maybe feeling a little hopeful now that she's explaining herself, and he doesn't know like how quite how to react. So you see, like the next panel when she comes closer to him, at this point he's sort of he turned towards her, he's still not looking at her, is looking, you know, so it's it's defensive mm-hmm. on his part. He's not looking, can't look her in the face yet, and he's put his hands on his hips, which is and he like leaned one of his legs forward, which is a very defensive posture. Mm-hmm. So he open a little bit to hearing what she has to say, but not completely open because it's too vulnerable for him. He can't completely be there and accept what she's saying and listen to what she's saying. He he's listening, but he can't be emotionally available because that's just not something Torah has experience with. He doesn't know how to trust people and how to listen to them and how to have feelings, you know, explained and how to have a good, you know, argument. Like, you know, people have to have a good argument when they're in a relationship, but he can't do that yet. He's too guarded
1: and also the fact that it's something that as a woman you would understand but as a man not mm. not quite as easy for them to to understand that because they don't have to to worry about that or don't it it's not the same to them like mm-hmm. i've always thought of it as whenever you wear your swimsuit and you're in your bikini like you're you're fine with people seeing you because you that's what you chose to wear, but if you accidentally like walk out of the room and there's a stranger in your your apartment and you're in a bra and underwear, yeah. like that's that's very different because it's mm-hmm. you you didn't consent to people seeing you that way whereas at the beach even though you're wearing about the same amount of clothes you've consented to that so a guy would probably be like well what's the difference but for a woman it, you understand that more that i didn't want you to see me in that way so right. and it's probably right
0: and on the beach it's not sexual i mean yeah i mean i'm obviously so many people some people i'm sure people do you know see it as somewhat sexual but it's definitely much less sexual because it's expected it's normal that's just how people dress but if you see it in someone's bedroom it's a totally different context and it's it means something different
1: right and especially because she didn't expect that to be like her shirt to just rip open and to have someone take a picture of that i'd be terrified i feel that i was very
0: like,
2: of, I'm like, oh man, her chest is gonna be all up and there, and it's, it's hanging by a thread, but I'm like, oh, but is actually gonna see her, I don't, I mean, I just have to wonder, may, I mean, was there a reason, I mean, did it, did did Lily draw it that way to bring this sort of conflict into the plot with the whole chest exposed, or for him to, because You know, earlier in in episode three, when he did see her in that way, you know, he kind of, he slips on the stairs and falls, so it was also, it was inappropriate, but at the same time, he was stunned, and I, I, for me, it also revealed his level of attraction for her, but you're right, Julia, she didn't consent to that, and the picture was a very pervy picture, so, Yeah.
0: And, you know back to what you were saying this really this really something that like is really more for episode three but when he like fell down on the stairs i don't think it was a sexual thing although obviously like this you mm-hmm. know sexual is always mixed up between them because just that, that's how they are but i think that was more like a, a method like a vulnerability thing because we know that when he saw her coming out of the bushes you know he was like wow she looks like so angelic and and fragile and i think that was more feelings of like tenderness for her of like wow this this creature who it looks like this, she came from another world and looks like this good angel is so vulnerable. Like I got to see her in a very vulnerable moment. I think that's what really had like emotional impact on him back then.
2: Yeah. 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 And the it's
0: jacket- like this that wasn't warranted yet. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just like, the, he, she, he, he, she has the jacket now and he, he felt the need to cover her up, you know? So that was nice, but you're right. So I, I know I'm detracting from the actual conversation of this episode, but that did no, kind of okay. give us
1: an indication. He did kind of understand a little bit as to the fact that she would want to be covered. Mm-hmm. That he mm-hmm. was had the presence of mind to toss the jacket to her.
0: Yes, yeah, this really is. <laughs> Torah, there we go, being all sensitive again. <laughs> Gosh,
2: and anyway,
0: Yeah. And now, you know, now it looks like Tori is looking at her in the eyes. She's looking at him with this worried face and she says, it was scary and embarrassing for me to say the least. And I was doing what I had to do to protect myself. And she's looking at him with this like worried face. You know, she really wants him to, to believe her and she cares about him. You know, she wants him to think best of her and for him not to be hurt. And it's very, it's very touching that Poppy has that, you know, she really does care about him, even though this is like literally day two.
1: Right. And we know she doesn't like people hurting, so she probably feels a little guilty that she knows now he's kind of hurt because of what she did, even though she was justified in what she did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that Torah responds, and you really see, like, he's he doesn't address anything she said. And I think it's because he's not ready. He's not ready to unpackage this whole mess of feelings that he, that were awoken within him. He cannot process it. So he just like skips over it. And he says, are we talking about this now? Good, because that's one more reason for you to agree to my request, right? He's still focused on, he wants to be able to basically look at her through her apartment for the notebook. And he just doesn't know how to process anything that just happened. It looks like he will be processing it later. We'll see, but he just can't process it now. So he's like, okay, um, got to get to my 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 job, you know? <laughs>
2: he was just so direct there and just the way the way he was drawn and wh- what i i thought what lily was trying to convey it was just i felt really scared looking at him it's like okay good it's like wow he really is just barely giving her the time of day just to listen but he'll making and poppy's just like your request and then the dinner and then she knows it's not about the dinner and i just he just looked super. He just looked like he was he was thinking about work at that point. He was like, I'm gonna get this done,
0: right? And then the the way the panel is drawn, it's from Poppy's perspective. So you mm-hmm. see him towering over her. And, you know, his eyes are shrouded, and you know, Poppy is drawn with the light behind her, so she's bathed in this warm glow. And Tora just has this concrete wall right behind him, and he has a little bit of orange glow in the back, but he's just you know shrouded in in shadow. And it's just again the way that they're drawn illustrates the way that their lives are. Mm. Yeah, so puppy like doesn't know what his request is and then there's another panel of him just kind of like looking off in the distance with his hair blowing. <laughs> Very Almost pretty. It kind
1: of makes me think of like oh, seriously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hair blowing. You know, it's like the, the movies with the, you know, the fans <laughs> to make people's hair blow. I don't care. It looks, actually, it looks like it's near the ocean, by the way. if you From the previous couple episodes, you see that there, and Tora's running through the streets, you see the ocean. So it does make sense, sense that there would be an ocean breeze running through the alley. She's
2: <laughs> so, like perfect person on the cover of a romance novel.
0: That right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know Lily said at some point, I think, on the Patreon that when, when she had to do Webtoons like, 2.0, like the second version, the editor was like, Oh, draw him as sexy as possible. She's like, okay, <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, listen, it's fantasy. Do whatever we want. Fantasy. <laughs> so now Poppy starts getting a little nervous when she says your request. And she's thinking to herself, he was obviously kidding when he said, sleep with me, which is interesting. Okay, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> you could think that he, he was kidding on one level, but I don't think it was kidding on another level. Right. And, <laughs> and and then she and she's like, what could it possibly be? And she doesn't know. And she's and then she says, fine, whatever you want in exchange for information on Mr. Lamb, just name it. Why would she say whatever you want? By the way, that's just like the very naive thing to say. Don't say whatever you want. Yeah. Never ever say that to someone.
1: I mean, she could always be like, yeah, no, I'm not giving you that. But still, yeah, <laughs> you don't just give them blanket. I don't know where I was going with that. You know. Have- <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Blanket.
2: I think he's just like, fine, like, whatever, like, whatever, we're doing this now, good. She's like, fine, whatever you want. I just need to get my, she's like, I'm gonna do my thing, you're gonna do your thing, and we're gonna get what we need from each other, you know?
0: Right, but I think it also illustrates Poppy's naivete, and lack of lack of experience with, like, these kind of negotiations, and, um, you know, like, kind of power plays, and deals, because she would, Tor would never say that, <laughs> and if she would be more experienced, she wouldn't say it either.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. and then he tells me he wants he says dinner at your place i'll give you the info you want and the photo will be deleted and poppy when i first read this i was like i didn't know why she right away was like what this isn't just about dinner is it?' whatever you want from me i don't have it because i was like you know if i was her i would think that you know i don't know Toro likes me or something i'm like yeah, that's why he wants to have dinner with me but you know poppy doesn't think that poppy realizes that there's something else that he wants from her so Poppy's smarter than me. Maybe it's because I would just get too easily uh, distracted by attractive person to ask me for dinner. I'm like, sure, he must like you know like me as a person. <laughs> but I think Poppy's Poppy does see through that.
2: I thought maybe it was a sense of like foreshadowing, and that you know she and I think this was touched upon in the previous episode with her and uh, um, oh my goodness, her 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 friend the one she works with. Why am I forgetting? Her name? Yes,
0: Erdine.
2: Yeah, Erdine, yes. Oh my goodness, it's terrible. Um, How she knows more than she lets on. And then this, mm-hmm. she was able to read between the lines. So she does yeah. have to read smart in that sense, but maybe when it comes to, I I don't know what to say, but yes.
0: Right, sometimes we could be clever and she, she can be naive in some ways, but also clever in other ways, 100%.
1: And she could and, also you be know, kind of playing along too, because we know she mm, does that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah,
1: but I, I do want to point out this weird little thing that I noticed that I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but if you look between them in the window, it looks mm-hmm. like there is like a person standing there, like looking at them out the window. Which like, Um, <laughs> the one where she's saying that uh, she doesn't know what he wants, but she but she doesn't have it. Oh, um,
0: hmm. like it's directly
1: in front of her chest to the left. Like it looks like there's a person a... right there, like just kind of blurry. I don't, I don't know. I just,
2: oh my gosh, is that... like a subliminal message or something? I don't know <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay,
0: I didn't see it, uh, but you know what. Why not? <laughs> Let's just add some more tinfoil. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I think that like whenever Lily wants us to notice something, it's at least in like sharp resolution, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> so anyway, Torah now says something which is like a very typical Torahism. You'll see he says this kind of thing a lot. He says, You won't be harmed in any way. You have my word. That's all I can say about this. Which is what Torah does is a lot, he t- he says the what he can say to the extent that he can say it. And he's honest as much as he can be, you know, he can't go into full detail, but he does say, you know, honestly, whatever he says. And we, he does this a lot What with, with Poppy. He, he can't tell her everything about his life, but whatever he, whenever he can, he just tells her the truth. He never lies to her.
2: Uh, he's very discreet too. He's very, I mean, and the way he says that, it's always very, he's a bit tactical man about business and it's, and it's very dangerous line of work. Just he knows he knows what to say, just to
0: tiptoe around whatever it is he's doing, right, and he sees his Poppy's clearly worried, so he wants to reassure her that she won't be harmed and again, it, you have my word, right It's a very like gentlemanly thing to say, and you know which is again like a in a distinction, like people don't think he's a gentleman, but he is
1: plus yeah. the fact that he's showing that he cares about her safety. In a way mm. in that he's trying to ensure that she understands he's trying to keep her safe.
0: Right. And also the dinner at her place, right? To let a strange guy into your house that you don't know that you just met that you were already accused earlier that day of being involved in an illegal syndicate. You know, it's no, I mean, you don't even let regular guys into your house unless you vet them alone, right? She lives alone. But like, right. especially to let a dangerous guy in her house obviously she would be worried
2: Definitely, at least she should be yeah <laughs> I just you know i it just breaks my heart he has to talk i to also very reassuring but i'll be out of your life for good it's like every what it's like it kind of is very revealing to the nature of his relationships outside of the people that he works with or the people that he is kind of forced to be with or chooses to be with and he knows someone like her. It's just not meant to stay forever. But just. Uh, I And his face. there His face in the next panel though. It's super deadly sexy. That's all I can say. And it's, <laughs> I'm like. And what he said though was super cold. It was super cold. It's like give Poppy a little bit more credit. You know. You don't have to be playing nice with me anymore. It's like come on, don't, and he was putting himself down too, it's like you really think think that she was doing this, just and pretending I mean she's quite, I mean I think she's very sincere in who she is, very earnest
1: and you notice how she balls up her fist when he says that
0: Mm. (laughs) yes Yeah. And I think the fact that he says that, that really just shows how he perceives himself. He's like the fact that he, you know, he tells her, you know, you want to, um, I'll be out of, uh, I'll be out of your life for good and shit. And you won't have to play dance with me anymore. And he does this little smirk. So first of all, it's like his deflection, right? He, it's a serious moment. And he just, he, she just told him a serious thing and he can't deal with it. So he's like, let me deflect and use humor. And, you know, I'll curse and I'll, uh, I'll make, make a joke. But also he, he, he thinks that like, the only reason she would be nice to him is she's playing nice. She's not really nice. She's playing nice. You know, there's no reason that she would be nice to me. Why would anyone be nice to me? I'm a bad thug. You know, she she must be nice to me for, like, some ulterior motive. That's just, like, tragic that that's how Torah perceives himself, that nobody could actually be nice to him.
1: Well, he's also probably used to that attention from females only being for because he looks hot. So Mm -hmm. this time... He knows he's got that picture, and she wants him to get rid of it. So that's why she's being nice to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, which is sad. But now Poppy, our darling, is going to show that no. You know, she's, like, plain nice. She's offended. She looks up at him, and, you know, when she says play nice, you see that next panel where it's just Torah – you know, he went from being like from smirking in the previous panel where we see him and, you know, like kind of brushing it off. And this next panel, he's just so sad. He has that downturned face again. And you don't see his eyes. And it's like, yeah, play nice because nobody, nobody really is nice to me. Like that's you really see that pain in him. And he turns away. He can't even look at her anymore because he's like, I can't, I can't look at this person who, you know, is just playing nice to me. And He says, let me know when you've made up your mind. And he starts walking away. Because, again, you know, he just can't handle kindness. He doesn't know how to react to it.
1: I I read her face kind of as like, almost hurt that he thinks that. And the way that he looks at her is almost like, oh shit, maybe I was wrong. And then he's like, I'm gonna run away now.
0: Yeah. And and then what she says afterwards, she says, you know, then she's like, I want to show him that he doesn't, that he deserves actual kindness, right? He, she's so smart and perceptive, Poppy. She realizes that how he perceives himself and she realizes that he doesn't think he's worthy of love. And then she wants to tell him, no, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of being, me being nice to you. And what she does is as he's walking away, she says, it was you, wasn't it? You caught me when I fell from that tree and you're not wearing your ring and bracelet right now. But I spotted them on you much earlier today. And you see now, you know, she's still behind him. And Taurus looks like he stops again, looking away. He can't, he's not showing his face. We don't see his face because he and his, but what we do see of his face is impassive because he can't show facial expression because he just, he has to control himself, right? Whenever there's like these raging emotions inside of him, what he does is make face blank, you know, cannot, cannot show emotion. Cannot, cannot handle this now. I need to tone, you know, zone out. I need to just show blank face because he just, he doesn't know how to react to everything going on inside him. And she says, I spotted them on you earlier today, right? And now we have the flashback to when they were running around town. He had grabbed her arm and she like looked down and said, ba-dump. So we all thought originally that it was just like, oh my God, he's grabbing my arm. Like, you know, it's like tingly, tingly. But really, she was looking at his ring and bracelet and she realized he was the guy that he caught her from the tree. That the guy who took the picture of her is the guy who also caught her from the tree later on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I- Again, Poppy being super smart, going back, not letting on. And she, I mean, she she was trusting herself. Um, like, I don't know this person, but he's maybe inherently good after what, you know, he did for me. And she wasn't going to back down after he was going to just walk away from her again. And, you know, she, she puts on that face, that, like, warrior face. And then she charges after, Oh wait, that's the other episode, sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh, she does. She has, she has the, the warrior up his, uh, face here. Well, oh, yeah. Sorry, the charging. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, the fact that she, by the way, that she noticed in, like, three seconds that, you know, the three seconds that it, mm-hmm. when his hand was, like, running towards her to put the, the hood over his neck and she still managed to notice, like, the tattoos and the, the ring of the bracelet. I mean, she's sharp. Yeah. She,
1: she has her kind of naive moments, but she's very observant. It, it may mm. take her a while to put things together sometimes obviously with that it was a pretty quick observation but the fact that she was able to connect those dots that he took that picture of me but that picture probably wasn't intentional at least not the way of it But he did that, and then there was also him catching her from the tree. So that kind of contradicts that original, he's a perv thought, that
2: Mm
1: -hmm. he's selfless also. So maybe there's not all bad, and she was able to try to move forward from what she knew and agreed to spend time with him to learn more, as well as for getting rid of the picture.
2: Yeah. Her face in that panel. I love that face. She has such a funny face. When, and I, I love how Lily Dust can draw the comical expressions of these <laughs> two people. And it's just, of many people, I just don't know how these artists do it. And you just feel,
0: yeah.
2: you feel that. <laughs> yes. <What>? 110%. <laughs>
0: Right. I think it's actually such a, such a strength of Lily because she deals with a lot of very heavy content in her comics. So there's a lot of like very serious expressions and serious moments. Then there's so much comedy and levity and like the little cartoon faces, you know, it becomes, it becomes cartoony when it's supposed to be funny. And it's just such a perfect blend because we can get overwhelmed by the tragedy but if it's, it would be all comedy it just wouldn't be a serious story so this is like a really good blend of like tragedy and comedy tragedy and comedy or just you know intensity and and lightness and levity Definitely.
1: tugs at <laughs> your anyways, heart it not- gives you a break tugs at your yeah. heart it gives you a break
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah she's just a master master storyteller and anyway, Poppy tells him, why else do you think I'd follow you around town this afternoon? Which, by the way, is definitely a thought that occurred to me. <laughs> like, okay. And, or that I'd agree so to readily to see you this late at night. And this, then she ends off with, the, and the episode ends with, I'm not playing nice with you. I just don't feel like you're the bad person you're trying to make yourself out to be. And that expression, when she has that, she's very emphatic and she's mm, angry a little bit, which just shows me that, you know, she can dish it like, like Torah can. You know, Torah's walking away all huffy, puffy, and angry. And Poppy can rise up to that level of emotion and that anger. You know, she doesn't want to let him get away with it, which is yeah. a nurturing thing, you know, a very observant thing, because sometimes when a person's just like spiraling downward in their own, you know, rageful emotions, they sometimes need someone to snap them back into reality with a similar level of anger. You know, they can't just be all nice, like what you were saying earlier, where Alice is leveling up to Torah. Sometimes the person needs to be addressed harshly and, you know, then the same angry tone that they're using because they need to snap out of it. And I think that's what Poppy is doing.
1: Right. I also notice if you look at her face, the left lower part of her face has still has that glow, but the rest of it is sort of dark and i mean we know that, that that light source is kind of far behind her but it just kind of shows how she's kind of almost taking on some of his like anger and it's it's overshadowing her her sunny disposition in a way because it seems like she's almost you're not going to walk away thinking these bad things about me because they're not true because she she doesn't want him to to leave thinking she's just playing nice when she's she's not she she doesn't do that she doesn't want him to have that perception of her and the fact that he does and she's she's not happy
2: about it no, that's a good point. And the way you, 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 yeah, 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 Julia, I didn't think about that with the shading and the lighting. And every time I see Tora, I, 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 as hot as he is, when she, when he is in some scenes, he almost has a ghostly gray pallor. And I'm like, he's very, mm-hmm. in some scenes, but in some, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, are you working in for the underworld? Like, literally, I mean, gang members do. I mean, they Maybe do that's work. what the soul means. Oh gosh, I'm just like he looks like. He, I mean, he is not a ghoul, but it's like it's, the panels in, in this episode and the way he was colored, like he was super gray, like you super. But yeah, that's my two cents.
0: Yeah, and I think you know the line that Poppy says last. That's like that's the that's the whole dynamic of their relationship, right? That's the whole minute of Poppy land where Poppy says, you know, Torah, you're not as bad as you you think you are, and that Poppy is the one who sees the good in him. That's like. I Midpopuland mean, in one line. Mm-hmm. The okay. whole premise of the story. Yeah. So, I just um, found
1: what's at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> these are here.
0: <laughs> oh, the banners. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she apparently had health issues at that point, but they thought she was doing well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so these banners. But I guess we could discuss these banners because why not? Why not? <laughs> Banner number one. I'm
2: like, are some discuss them or are they gonna? It's gonna be like a spoiler,
0: you know? Well, really. we're gonna discuss them in a non-spoiler way. I mean, okay. the first one, the first one. Okay, the first one is in this place where we are gonna see later. It's the only thing we're gonna say about it. But um, you know, it, it shows Tora leaning over Poppy, and she's backed up against his car. And it's, like, this place with this beautiful view of Naren City. And, you know, Poppy's looking up at him with these wide eyes. And he's looking down at her with these intense eyes. And it's beautiful. And, like, he's about to kiss her. And it's just amazing and gorgeous.
2: Oh, man. That's what I'm for. That right there. I cannot wait when that happens. I'm just Of these three banners, this one is my favorite. The
1: third one? The This first one of them. Oh, the, by yeah. the car. It's my favorite. Yeah. Yes, and honestly, there's so much yeah. intensity. Go ahead.
0: Right, and they're really focused on each other, hundred percent. And they're they're at a point in the relationship where there's something happening between them. You know, it's, it isn't just casual; it's something where there's the two of them.
1: There's also if you look at Poppy, she's like the light radiating out. Everything mm. surrounding them is is kind of a, a darker tone, but she is the light in this picture
2: yeah and he's like a a moth to the or not a moth to the flame but he's oh that's
1: pretty accurate yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just I love these I love the ones with Quincy too as much as I love the first one I just don't know I'm like I want to know what Quincy's role is going go moving forward going forward because it's like he's obviously yes he's the bodyguard but what else you know there's way more to the
0: Right, I think. I think. I wonder if these were originally drawn when back when the um, summary of the story was a love triangle, which it is no longer. So it makes sense for Quincy to be there. I don't feel like at this point Quincy deserves, you know, you know like the three. I don't think the story is about Poppy, Torah, Quincy. And I think it's about Poppy, Torah, and Quincy is one of the important side characters. But I think, I think it was just he's
1: like the the main. Of the the non-main characters, because we know these two are the main, but he's like the next most significant,
2: maybe?
0: Mm. Yeah, I I do agree with that.
2: Was there a in MPL 1.0? He was a potential love interest? Uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was in 1.0,
1: but when she started 2.0, the description gave the impression of a love triangle. But a lot of people oh. commented about it and were kind of confused and it ended up getting changed.
2: I right, see. She said
0: it was something she wrote quickly for Webtoons and not something she put a lot of thought into.
2: Mm, yeah, because I, I never thought of him. I never saw him even in this banner that he was going to be a love triangle. Because uh, to be honest, I don't think there's enough room for a love triangle. Their love is is so intense, their feelings are so yeah. intense. Yeah. A love triangle, I, would, I think I would pass out on.
0: Oh my God. No, I, I hate love triangles with <laughs> yeah, a passion. I can't stand them.
2: <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, I don't I don't honestly think
1: that like you said, there's no room for that. It wouldn't no. it would be it would have to be forced in order to put that yeah. in there. Yes.
0: Yeah, and then so the second one you see they're standing in front of some kind of city landscape. And, but you know, Quincy is looking all Quincy-ish and dramatic and just cute mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, hand behind his ears, diamond glittering, you know, gorgeous outfit. And Tora has his hand slung in his pocket, kind of looking intensely out, not such a, you know, emotive expression on his face. And Poppy's, you know, with this really sexy dress, back completely open, and she's looking very flirty. She's like leaning back against Torah and holding his tie. So this is at a point in their you know, signifying that their relationship is already like, you know, Concrete because she's manhandling his tie and like leaning back yeah. into him.
2: It's like and Tora, like I feel I think this is just to represent that she's totally got him wrapped around her finger, right? Yeah, you know? even and though
0: I mean, she's I'm little, like, right? She's like this little thing compared to him, but yeah.
2: I just I've never I've never witnessed a relationship in real life in in such a way where that that was the power dynamic between a couple, but I mean. I would so love to see that here in Midnight Poppy where he's just, I mean, he already is doing so much for her, so, but in these, <laughs> you know, romantic moments, I would just love it even more.
0: Remember what I said about my husband bringing me supper? Yeah. <laughs> kind of feel like that. <laughs> my husband's also I'm 64.
2: I'm just the sad single girl enjoying MPL and living vicariously through these real things. At least you got but... a secret garden. <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, I I stopped doing the secret garden. Why? Because you know there were so many other people that I wanted to pledge on, and I feel bad saying this, and if Lily Dusk, if you can hear me, I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, there were so many other webtoon artists, like, up and coming, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to pledge to their account, but I'm like, oh, wow, I'm already pledging five bucks. So I said, oh, let me see. And so I'm, I'm back to square one. So I, I don't, I'm back to, I'm not even fast-passing. I haven't even read any episode beyond the...
0: Wow, four. I'm glad we didn't spoil anything then. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I just, for... You know to be to be truthful, I was completely devastated after episode thirty nine
0: yeah. and i, and I couldn't
2: i couldn't read i put midnight poppy land away for a whole month, so I haven't really been reading it only the episodes for the podcast it's just mm. i i can't my mental state i think i I couldn't take it it gets I better feel, it gets better.
0: I yeah those were the words don't tell
2: me that (laughs) don't tell me that i'm gonna pass past all the episodes again i can't
1: yeah i'm a bad influence i'm gonna tell you to do it
2: (laughs) girl oh my (laughs) god oh gosh i thought here i was i thought i was practicing self-restraint too i said this is gonna be good i got this but if now you're telling me it's getting better i'm like okay then (laughs) <laughs> oh,
0: no. well I think I think even without us telling you it would get better I think because you know you you probably would figure from the way the story pacing is going you know like what like what we just said before Lolita's tragedy and comedy you know she can't break our hearts for too long it's just too much so I think you I think you probably knew already that it would be a little bit better afterwards
2: okay yeah but you know I have to say secret garden was it was a treat it was a delight. <laughs> delight. <was a> <laughs> i'm i'm good now and i'm i'm back to just uh yeah i'm trying
0: yeah, yeah that's so, so for listeners who don't know what sacred garden is lily has a five dollar patreon tier where she draws not safe for work things she calls it safe, the secret garden and um it's really delicious and wonderful and many <laughs> couples have attested <laughs> that it is a <laughs> place, myself among them so um you know, we always like to support Lily and her Patreon. And if you're interested in that, feel free to hop over and join.
2: <laughs> totally worth it. Dude, I hello I hello, wanna read those fast pass episodes. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I'm trying not to cuss here. I mean, you know, I think some of my students read Midnight Popular and if they ever come across this this oh, uh <laughs>
0: terrible oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay just imagine so,
1: them, their parents are like what are you
2: looking at my teacher showed it to oh,
0: oh no no <laughs> Oh, oh hell, this is- well i'm glad we kept it to just your first name then so anyway let's do the last um the last picture here before we move on to the next episode so in the last picture the last banner that we have in this um over here is where Poppy and Tora are on a couch together, and tora is his, he has his arm around poppy Poppy's you know totally just laying on Tora. Quincy's like hanging over the back on the couch, and there's just like this beautiful intimacy between Poppy and Tora. Poppy is just leaning back, relaxed you know you're leaning back into the one that you love, and Tora has his arms around her, and he's looking at her with this really <sighs> profoundly
1: reverence like yes
0: that's the word she's mm-hmm.
1: she's so
2: important to him at this point she
1: is his only
2: focus yeah i uh, he, reverence i thought he almost looked devastated too because he is so in love with her and it's like and then quincy's just there in the background
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah he's kind of like the supportive sidekick <laughs> he's cute
1: i really like cute. if you look at like the three pictures in order you've got the first one where it's almost like the start of everything. And then the Mm -hmm. second one is they're they're kind of building something, and then by the last one, they're like they are something. Mm. And I really I really Mm. like that. I also wrote a story about like I kind of saw these as almost Lily taking a photograph of them. Yeah, Yeah. I I did like a little story of that. Oh, she's like trying to get a, a, a picture. And Quincy's being a pain. He wasn't supposed to be in the pictures, but he keeps like, "No, you gotta have me too."
2: Yes, really. If
0: you, post- you want, we can we can link it in the in the episode notes if you if you want to send it to me.
2: I mean, we can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on the community page, and community is accessible to all. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it is. I don't really remember where I posted it. Actually. <laughs> I remember because I commented on your
1: post so then I will find that and I will send that to you
0: okay well let's wrap this episode up because we are going to be doing another episode right away yes (laughs) okay see you ladies in a minute bye Bye. bye